Hi, I'm Manoj Vasudevan, the 2017 World Champion of Public Speaking. I'm a next level leadership readiness expert who helps executives entrepreneurs to get to the next level in career, business and life. I had a fun time talking to Ryan at the World of Speakers podcast. We discussed lots of things and the key things we spoke about is the keynote revenue model were how the critical components in your keynote that gets you booked to speak we also spoke about the three milestones in speaking every professional speaker needs to know about to be more effective and get rehired to speak and of course we also share a lot of fun facts of how to speak brand and market your keynote looking forward to hear your reviews Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast, brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what will be a fantastic episode here on the World of Speakers. We not only are speaking with a world champion of public speaking, but somebody who is taking people to the next level when it comes to their leadership readiness to become the expert that they always have wanted to be and deserve to be. We have Manoj Wasudewan, ladies and gentlemen. Did that? Did I do it right? Did I say it correctly? That, that's right, that right. Why don't you say it for everybody just so that we see how well I did? Uh, Manoj Wasudewan. Perfect. That's exactly what I said. Awesome. Hey, well, well, congratulations on the world championship. And, you know, I'm excited to learn more about how you take people to the next level in their leadership. And along the way, I'm sure you're helping people, getting them pumped up, learning how to use their voice as the secret weapon when it comes to leadership. So before we get into your leadership hacks, when it comes to speaking and communicating, I want to go back. I want to go back to where it all began when you first started speaking did you all, were you born a public speaking champion? <laughs> so where it all started, I, I, I'm an introvert. And um, the first time I spoke when I was 15 years old, I was forced to speak at the end of a summer camp. All I had to do was to come, come up to the friend and share with the rest of the participants of that summer camp uh, what I wanted to become in life. And I, I remember coming up in front and everybody has been as spoken and I was the last person and I came up doing stood, stood in front and I couldn't say anything. I didn't say anything for five minutes. Wow. And then I went back to say, so oh, yeah, I, I believe I'm not a bond speaker then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. But, but you did say when you first spoke at 15, but I want to clarify, you, you learned to speak before that. Oh, I, I I could speak, but but not in public. Yeah, not in not in public. I could speak. <laughs> now, did you was your family uh, introverted in general? Did you have brothers and sisters? Oh, so my I have I have an elder bro- elder sister, elder brother, and my father always encouraged us to speak and be more um, to understand. But we never. Uh, my brother was better at that time. At least at least he was more extroverted and uh, had more friends and. Uh, he was uh, very good in expressing himself. And, you know, as always in families, you get um, this, well, what about you? And you get some little nudge and push to, uh, to speak. And I tried to avoid that, actually, because then I was com- more comfortable being myself. Maybe I- I'm an introvert, and there's no doubt about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just listening with us, you can be an introvert and still be a champion of a worldwide champion of public speaking, right? It can happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, do you find that you still consider yourself an introvert? 
Oh, yes. I, I believe I'm introvert because I, during parties, let's say we go to event, I, I won't be the center of attraction uh, in the party, right? I, I, but what I do enjoy is talking to people. I talk, enjoy uh, interacting with people, but I do like to have my quiet time. And uh, th- that's where I recharge myself. So typically, I'm, I, I, I still consider myself as an introvert. Okay. Now, when it comes to your, your daytime job, right, are you speaking for a living? I know that you've got your business, Next Level Leadership Readiness Expert or Expertise. What is it that you do right now? Okay, so my background is I'm an engineer, then I've done my MBA, I've done consulting, I've done management consulting. At some point, I moved into uh, like speaking, coaching, uh, and things around that. So I do a lot of speaking, I do a lot of coaching, and I do run my own programs, public programs. So that's what I'm busy with. So you're, are you taking some of the same engineering background and the meticulousness that happens and the attention to detail to your your speaking, essentially? Is it is it kind of a linear path of what you've done? Because it sounds like, or, or did you become an engineer and then maybe weren't happy with it and just totally flipped to the other side of the coin? Like, how did that, how did you bounce from one to the other? Oh, it's funny because my engineering, the title is called Electronics and Communication. Okay. And my, my father used to say, focus more on the communication. And, uh, but I, I was not uh, so focused on that. But after getting, starting to work, and um, I realized the importance of communication and how that can take you further in life. But I never attempted anything of that sort. And, um, but eventually, when I got into consulting and management consulting, because I have re- reinvented myself a number of times, from engineer to consultant to management consulting, running my own consulting company, then becoming a speaker, then being a leadership coach, I reinvented myself several times. And the need, the reason to was a lifelong process of self-discovery and change and learning. Uh, so I didn't have a linear path. I just took, read the signs and um, took uh, a chance and uh, no, followed the signs. That's an interesting way of thinking about it, how you're sort of on this. It's, it's like you know that you're going, but you didn't know where you wanted to end up. And along the way, you're just sort of following the signs that might make sense in these transition periods. Is that is that about right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So eventually I realized after I learned and mastered kind of public speaking or I became more effective in public speaking and when I became a professional speaker, I also got this idea of helping others to be speakers and leaders. For two reasons. One, I realized it's actually a skill that can be learned. I never thought uh, it, it is. And never thought I could be a, like a speaker on a world stages. So, and also people started coming to me and say, hey, how did you do that? You, you, are not, you are the last guy I ever imagined to be on the stage. How did you do that? So then it became like an organic process of me learning and teaching. So the word engineering really, really helped me was when I was trying to learn and master these skills. I was using, I, I used to analyze a lot of different speakers and speeches and what's effective, how do you engage an audience. I spent about a year learning about humor, um, emotion, stories. So there are a lot of things I learned and I also documented and broke it down into systems, processes and formulas, which made it easier for me to teach and coach. So eventually, I think if you're looking back, it was like connecting the dots. Everything that happened really helped to make me who I am. And uh, looking forward, I will love to, I, th- I believe I found my dream job and I really love what I do. 
and I really enjoy helping others to achieve what I've achieved. That's awesome. And you've been there, done that to help them. I like this engineering component that you are a, uh, it's like, a, it's like you're almost a speaker near, uh, how do we combine <laughs> speaker with engineer? <laughs> but this it sounds very tactical. Now, when did you first get involved with, with Toastmasters? Was that a gateway to the speaking or was it an afterthought? How did that come into the development and along the roads? Like what dot was it? Okay, so around 2003, um, I, I was still working in the management consulting in a very large management consulting organization. And uh, I remember going to my boss and every, and I was very happy. I said, working there for six years and I was very happy because every year I get pay rise promotion or new position and I was happy. And, but eventually it stopped. So then I realized what happened now, right? So I went to my boss and said, how come you never gave me a promotion or pay rise this year? And he said, Manoj, let me, let me be very honest with you. You don't have what it takes to go to the next level. You've reached your potential. Wow. And I was like, and he was being brutal. I was initially disappointed, but then I thought he was being honest with me. So that's when I started really looking at what was, what was I missing. And some people told me you should get an MBA. So I went to Imperial College London and took an MBA. But that didn't change anything in my career. And that's when I, for the first time, I started observing who is really progressing in their career, who is getting the next level faster, who is really progressing in personal life and a professional life, who is becoming an influencer. Then I realized there are five core skills you need to master. It is the ability to connect, to communicate, to network, to lead, and to influence. That's to sell, get people, get people on your side. I realized I never learned. I've never spent time to learn this. So one of the first thing I did was leave my job and start my own consulting company. It was like jumping in the deep end of the pool. So I was forced to learn these things. I was forced to come out of my shell because I just had my first baby and I had a family to support. And I realized, but then I got really fascinated by this world of uh, how people connect and communicate and network and lead and influence. But public speaking was one of the last thing I wanted to try. So it was not until not three years or five years later, I started thinking, now, now, now it's time for me to learn public speaking. So one thing led to the another. I also was in Toastmasters, uh, trying to explore my skills. But in the meantime, I also do is trying to do and take all opportunities to speak. Like I was doing emceeing. I have uh, tried out stand-up comedy. And I was fortunate to be among the top 25 stand-up comedians in International Comedy Festival in Hong Kong. And I took part in this World Championship of Public Speaking multiple times. And then I got just fascinated by this journey of uh, self-discovery, learning. In, it was almost like reinventing myself. So I just got totally immersed into that. And I, I started paying lesser attention to the consulting work I was doing, even though it was like a, a huge um, um, uh, revenue that's coming in from consulting. But then my heart was in learning and uh, these skills. So World Championship Public Speaking, because uh, one of my mentors uh, who was in Toastmasters, he said, no, uh, you need to have a goal. And he said there was something called a World Championship of Public Speaking. Then he showed me some speeches. Um, uh, especially of Lance Miller, probably you uh, will be speaking Lance Miller as well. Uh, and uh, so he was 2005 uh, world champion. And so you can speak like him. Then I, at that time I was thinking, oh, then, then it, that became, that emerged as a goal. Uh, okay, I said, no, okay, maybe I can pursue that. So uh, I put some meaning towards all the learnings I'm doing in public speaking. I, st I got an opportunity to apply it somewhere. It was then later, of course, um, uh, I got invited to speak and I became a professional speaker. But the whole objective was that just going with the flow, <laughs> whatever showed up at that time. 
Right. That just kind of uh, not worrying about the famine part, but just feasting on anything that came your way. And, and that gave you that rapid exposure and then more stage time. And one thing sounds like it led to another. Yes, that's true. And, and I think the key was my passion. I did the passion and developed for that. And the interest and I was totally immersed. It wasn't, it didn't look like a work. It's just that uh, I was just like, I really loved analyzing speeches, watching speakers, learning from them, applying it, experimenting it in different platforms. As I said, in, in speaking, in professional speaking, in stand-up comedy, in emceeing, then later part in coaching. So eventually everything like got integrated and they kind of synthesized all the different experiences. Then I, I think that contributed to what I learned. One of the things that you said that stuck out is interesting. You, you, you mentioned you put meaning towards the learning. And I just want to unpack that for a second because a lot of people might hear what you're saying as far as, you know, I, I got every chance I had to speak and I listened and I took this, this which I'm going to say, a speaker nearing approach to it. Like I just got tactical and I came up with a, and I watched everything. But it wasn't just the physical act of watching these videos. I have a feeling that putting meaning towards that learning makes all that difference. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious that, you know, that switch, like it, what was that inciting incident that went like, I need to now not only do this, but actually put meaning behind it. Was it that goal to become a champion or was it something else? Oh yeah. So the, uh, one of the key drivers I had was around that time in starting with 2006 or 2005 that around that time i was looking around the world and i was seeing good speakers are becoming influencers and some of them influencing the world in a good way and some of them influencing the world in a not so good way so then i realized um, uh, and i realized that there are two sort of people right there are people who are confident and there are people who are competent so the, my worry was People who have no competence getting too much confidence and uh, influencing the world in the way they want to be. Interesting. Whereas people who are really competent are not confident. And I, I, I thought I was in the second category. So I had a lot of these experiences, and but I am not able to influence anything. Then I realized if I become the world champion or I become a very good, uh, very good at this art of public speaking, I will be able to help a lot of people who are competent but not confident. So that was my real, so that's one reason I started documenting everything I learned. I have piles of books at my, in my, at my home at work where I have uh, like systemized, uh, made it put into systems what I learned. But my whole objective was that one day I should be able to, one, teach my children and whoever wants to take help from me. So that, that was definitely a driver to, for me mm. to do. And I was happy because both, both my children are shy uh, and I, I, I'm introverted pretty much, but now they can speak. They, they themselves get invited to international conferences to speak. My son is 14 years old. He recently spoke at the Women Economic Forum. And uh, so they can speak to like 700, 800 people. Uh, so uh, my objective at that time, when you say meaning, it was also for not only for me, it's also the potential I saw that so many people can benefit if I were to uh, like push myself because it was it's one thing to tell your children to speak up. And second thing is to better thing is to be a role model. Yeah. And the way that you even just, the way that you even just said that you said that I put meaning in it, but it wasn't just me. It was the inning. <laughs> you yeah. can say that, but like I, I just wrote down the word meaning and you, you have, it starts with me, but it's not all about you at the end of the day. The meaning comes from it comes from within you, but for this eating part, right? And yeah. the eating 
is your children. And the eating is this influence and the eating. <laughs> I like that. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting what you said, because I keep saying there are three milestones uh, in public speaking. So I like the way you put it that me, I say the first stage is called me. Me is when you're so focused on yourself, you want to look good on stage, you want to impress the people, you want to be awesome. And it's all about me, 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 me. But the second stage, and most people on the me stage, the first stage, that's why they have fear of public speaking. They're always uh, stressed out when they're speaking. When you go to the next stage or next milestone, I call it the message. That means you want to say something that nobody has said before. So you want to impress the audience. So there is still an element of me in there, the message. But I always say, if you go to the third milestone, you will really connect with the audience. You are less fear and you will be, because that stage I call the messenger, because what you are doing in the messenger stage is you are sharing what you learn. You spend your lifetime learning something and you're sharing and your objective is to serve the audience. And when you're in service, there is no fear. And if you look at the very good influences of the world, they appear as messengers. Even the professional speakers who really have mega impact, they appear as messengers. They're not trying to build themselves up or their message, but they're most likely coming and giving a, uh, like appearing as messengers. So I like the way you said me. Yeah, no, and it's funny. And, you know, you can talk about this. You've got to find meaning in your speech, but you've got to get past that first me yes, to, to yes. get to the e. I don't even know if some, I don't even know if the, if we can make a word eating and it's just the second part of meaning. So you're yeah. like, do you know what the difference is between me, meaning and eating? <laughs> right. It kind of follows those three stages. I like that. Yeah. We, we are definitely getting into the speaker. I'm, I want to say speaker and engineer. I'm going to, I'm going to find the rhythm of it in a second here. All right. But let's talk about the stages and advice and what you would deliver to somebody. If you had 10 to 15 minutes of one of the over 300,000 people who've already watched your speech, if they got a couple of minutes with you and they're like, please tell me what you can in a short amount of time that's just going to, you know, take me to that next level, take my, my leadership and my readiness. How do my words get me there? What would you tell them? So uh, are you talking about my speech itself that won the world championship? Is it a general message? I'm saying what type of speaking advice would you give to the 300 and some odd thousand people who have already seen your speech, right? Mm -hmm. they, maybe they're inspired by it. And they're like, okay, I want to be a world champion, but what are the tactical tips? What are the speaking advice? What, what is it that you can deliver to people? And what do you tell them to help them on their journey to find their me and their Ning? <laughs> uh, so uh, I believe anybody can be a fabulous speaker, no matter where they start. And uh, this I'm saying based on my experience, helping people as well, who are so terrified to speak outside of their family. So there's absolutely no doubt anyone can be a fabulous speaker no matter where they start, uh, given that they can speak, right? Uh, they can speak, but to be on the stage is one thing. Now, the second thing is I, I believe it has to be, your heart has to be in the right place in the sense that your message, whatever you want to share, uh, has to come from a deeper place. Uh, and, uh, and your starting point is that what do you want to share in the world? And Coming back to the same question, if you if you have the whole world listening to you, what's the one thing you want to tell them, All right? Uh, so even for the world championship speech, one of my starting point is if I if I get thirty seconds to talk to the world, what will the one thing I'll say? And I look around the world and I say, what I want to tell people is to be more tolerant, be more accepting. So that's where the whole concept of pull less, bend more comes in. That's uh, my final speech. So uh, that's a starting point. 
in terms of that. So, but if you are crafting a speech, if you want to craft a speech, I one of the first thing I say is, what is your funda? Uh, funda is an acronym, which means what do you want your after listening to your speech, what do you want the audience to feel? What do you want your audience to unveil? What's the new thing you can tell them? And that's the reason people come back to listen to you again. What's the new thing you can tell them? Unveil. The N stands for what do you want your audience notice? And uh, the D stands for what do you want your audience to do? And the A is what do you want your audience to achieve? So feel, unveil, notice, do, achieve. And that is like your objective of your speech. And then eventually, of course, you will find stories to support those points. And um, so eventually, it's actually, as I said, uh, first is to get that mindset ready. What is the value you want to give to the audience? And uh, so if I were to like summarize that, that would be mindset, message, and mechanics. So mindset is believing that there is somebody out there who has to hear your what you want to say and your message matters. Message is, of course, what you want to share. That's where the funda comes in. Then the mechanics of how you want to deliver those messages to the world. You know what I'm, I'm realizing here? You are an engineer. <laughs> you've, got, you've got these equations and formulas, and I dig that. Are these, when you're looking at other speakers and you're finding maybe that, that you find they have a feel in it and then they unveil something, are you constantly looking for these elements of other speeches to sort of combine into these new theories and new strategies and new packages for you and your own brain? Okay. Uh, maybe I didn't answer the previous question well. I realized that. But <laughs> but when I look at the funda itself, I think that's a game changer in speaking. Because what, what I'm also looking at is why does someone get like X amount of money for speaking and where well, someone else get X plus 5,000 more, right? Right. And uh, I always go back to the funda because the, especially, so you see, when I said feel is that audience is at a state, as a state, emotional state, when they start listening to you, your objective as a speaker is to take them to another emotional state by the end of your speech. So that, if you start with that end in mind, what emotional state I want to leave my audience with, that should be a driver for what you're going to speak about, what you will say. So the unveil part is what is something new you can share with them. This is why a lot of speakers stand out uh, and a lot of speakers uh, fall short because they're just repeating what they already know. There's no reason why I should listen to you, right? So all these elements I found is a game changer in uh, uh, when you compare why some speakers are doing well and others are not. And this is your this is your own acronym, is that right? Uh, this is my own acronym. Of course, the, the these are uh, looks commonsensical, but I derived it a lot from watching speakers. But I also heard um, people talking about uh, having an end objective, like what do you want to think, feel, or do uh, differently. But I what my contribution to this is generally the unveil, which is most people miss out, and also the A, the achieve. We keep telling people what they, they need to do, but we do not really, most speakers do not really present what they can achieve, the results they can achieve by following your your steps. Okay, so that's interesting, the combination there between you saying people will tell their audience what to do, but they don't make the connection on how they can achieve it. Explain that that difference. Why? Why not just fund and why the funda? Okay, <laughs> excellent. Uh, so the uh, so if I can tell you what, just because I told you, Ryan, 
to do something, you're not going to do it. Yeah, you just told right. me that you just told me yeah. the funder, right? You, like, this yeah. is a great example. You told me to get the feel, to unveil, to to get to to notice, to do and achieve. Yeah. So you just told me that's what I do. Yeah. So you don't do. But if I were to tell you uh, that what you achieve by implementing that is the following: if you have a clear funder, your audience is going to think about how they can apply in their life, and they're very clear about what they're going to achieve by applying what you just told them. And that's the reason they remember you and that's the reason they will come back to you and that's the reason they will call you. And uh, the most often happens is people listen to you and they agree to you, but they don't really buy into that idea because they're not clear how they can apply in their life and what will they get by applying that. It's it's an example of uh, the drill and the hole, right? You probably heard this, right? You, You don't sell the drill, you sell the hole. (laughs) <laughs> right 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 so they, yeah. you, you want to make sure that you speak about the whole and uh, and they thought this is how i can apply this is what i can see and uh, most uh, sometimes we are so uh, and speakers uh, we keep sharing stuff we don't really see how and the whole idea of speaking is to make your audience the hero and you're not the hero and that's why i keep saying being the messenger you're not the hero but the audience is a hero and you show to the audience how they can be more successful by following your advice. And you are more like a guide or a mentor and, as I said, a messenger, right? Uh, so yeah. This is what they want. Unless, it's again, uh, we, we keep saying it in different ways, what's in it for me and things like that. But it's very crystal clear what they will achieve. And if that's missing, they are not going to apply it. They're not going to see results. And they're not going to remember you. But imagine, you sell, tell them something, you engage them properly, and they're clear what they're going to get, and they're going to try it, and they're going to succeed. They're going to tell more people of uh, how you help them. And you also create an impact, a longer impact. So this idea of building the audience as the hero, and essentially what you're saying is a lot of speakers are telling everyone what to do, but they're not painting this picture of what this doing will help people to achieve. Exactly. Okay. So let's go back to your three different stages, right? Which is the first stage is people finding the meaning. And then the second stage is essentially their message uh, honed in. And then third is their being a messenger, right? That's right. So if you look at all three of those words, each one of them starts with me. That's right. <laughs> you've got the meaning, you've got the me sedge. <laughs> Although it's, you know, it's, it's, it's no, no, so the, the, the first one is me, actually. The first one when I said is me as an M E because the focus is on. So if you look at these three milestones, it's like the focus of the speaker. First stage is M E me as in you're focused on yourself. And that's where yes. most speakers are. That means uh, I, I also did the same thing when I, when I used to speak in the initial days, I used to buy a very expensive suit, uh, expensive shoes and, you know, I like to look great, and uh, my focus was all on how I look good, how I will appear, and that's why. Would you? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but on the on this me stage, do you think that the the speakers in this me stage they are explaining the do, but at this point it's all about them, so they're not really focused on how the audience would achieve. That's right. So the me, I'm I'm looking at the connection between these two. So at the me stage you're not going to get all of the funda in there. And it sounds like the me is more focused on what you do. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. Look at me, look at me. 
Mm. But at that beginning stage, it's almost like you're not set up for that achieve level. Yeah, it's like a salesperson trying to sell something. If the salesperson is totally focused on himself, he's not going to make the sale. Right. He's selling the drill, not the hole. Yeah. He's like, yeah so, you, so you've got the me as a first. He's going to say, I have, I have a great product, right? I have a great product, right? So yeah. uh, look at me, look at me. And you and because this is the impression we get, because when you start looking at speakers and speaking, people are impressed by speakers and want to be like someone. And then they start to focus on building themselves up. And most speakers who made the leap has found out that audience is the most important component in your speech. So the second phase, after me. Yeah, after me is you You start to believe that I need to give something of value to the audience. That's fine. But also your focus start to say that I want to stand out from everybody else. Would you call that your message? That you're, you're yeah, yeah, your message. Your message. You want to, you, you're trying to share something unique and you're, you're investing time and energy to get something unique and that totally stands out with what everybody else is giving, right? Yeah. And then the final is you've achieved that. And now it's just about delivering. So, uh, so when you are a messenger, let's say, Ryan, you are a speaker on my topic. I'm going to give you credit and share your content to my audience. Right. Because I, my objective is not that I be great. My objective is I learned something from Ryan and this is what you can also use. Gotcha. That's really the break from the me. And it becomes. So, so now, now you have having very abundant mentality mentality or the mindset were you are not really focused on what you're not, you're not special. You're an ordinary person or a, or a person with talent or hard work will learn a lot of things. But now I'm going to share what I learned with you, the audience, so that you will benefit and achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah. So that's very liberating is it looks like common sense, but liberating. Most people will not do that. And once you start doing that, the audience really benefits. Because they don't have to go through your long journey or your pain to learn and implement those learnings. So you're really shortening the uh, learning curve of the audience and they love that. You're becoming a Sanger, the second part of the me. So, <laughs> so you've got the me, then you've got the meaning, then you've got the messenger, which is the me-singer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, all messenger. I, I like this. Because what I'm really feeling is it, it it is I mean it is you inherently up on stage it, it is a it is you being that messenger but until you have that message and bef- and until you can get over yourself you're not going to get to that level where you really have that impact and really have that influence mm. I dig it so let's talk a little bit more about that influence now right when you're able to get traction and you're past the me stage and you're in between the message and the messenger you're honing in so that you can be unique to get to the point to where it doesn't matter anything other than just spreading this one unified message. How do these people who want to spread their message get more stage time? What is it that you do to help advise people to get more stage time and to get to the spot where they're plus 5,000 or plus 10,000? Do you have any tips or Trips or ticks. Uh, so I keep telling people I don't use SEO, I don't use Infusionsoft, I don't have a marketing team, and a lot of things most people do. But what I realize is the number one investment you can make is to spend time to prepare that 40-minute keynote speech. And when your keynote is ready, you'll get booked to speak. And so you, whatever you do is uh, the first thing is to make sure you're w- working on that keynote speech, whenever that is. But that has to be a number one. That's a number one reason you get invited to speak. Now, if you are, and as you probably know, Ryan, if you are not seen on the internet, you, don't, you do not exist. 
Yeah, if you're, if you're not LinkedIn, you're linked out. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't exist. So if you are you know, still finding uh, not got a speaking opportunity and you're still trying to start out, the most of your time should go on writing that keynote speech. Now, if you're on online, what you could do is to become the number one curator for your topic. So if your topic is on leadership, start not just your content. You can, of course, you can create your content uh, as well, but also uh, get the best content and share with your network and share with. And I've I've seen uh, several of my students who have uh, helped. I helped them to develop their keynote speech. They implement that on LinkedIn. What they do is they take the best top best articles or content for their topic and start just sharing it to the network. They're just feeding the network. Marshall Goldsmith is number one leadership thinker. One of the things he says, feed the wheel. So share more. And as you share more, you get associated with your topic. Right? And for example, when you, if I'm sharing on leadership, I share with the hashtag, hashtag leadership. Or if my um, topic is, let's say, sales or creativity, I start to create. So I start to get associated with my topic. And this is one of the... and. The more you are present online, you get invited to speak. So now when you get invited to speak, you also have those uh, tools, uh, the keynote ready, which you can use it. Uh, and once you do your first keynote, you record it and put it on YouTube. You are again putting yourself in front of more people. So you more visible you are online, the better your chances are to get invited to speak. And again, as I said, the first thing, the, the keynote is the key. If you deliver a good speech, invariably somebody in the audience is going to invite you to speak somewhere else. And as you go along, you get better at it and you increase your fees and um, you build yourself as an influencer because you are actually, as a from the position of being a messenger, your objective is you became the number one source for information or you, at least the aspirational goal should be the number one source for information on your topic. I love the phrase... The keynote is the key. I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things. That should be your tagline, buddy. That's a good one. That's your that's your next book or blog right there. Thank you. The keynote is the key. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I hear a pen click. I'll write that one down. <laughs> well, this is interesting. Let's talk about this keynote for a second because what are some of the key elements to the keynote that will be the key to getting to that next level? So there's two parts, right? What is, what are the keys of it, and then how do you actually share that you have the keys to that car, right? Like if you, this, this conundrum of building something but not having a place for it yet. So I'd love to know your key takeaways. Okay, so if you're building a keynote, of course there are several, as I said, mindset, message, mechanics. The mechanics can be very varied, but the essential elements is the following. First is your keynote, 40-minute keynote should meet the funda, right? So it could be a funda you want to define. So my funda could be helping you to get to the next level in your career and life or a career business and life. So um, that would be one. Or if you're creativity, you want or your, your topic is on distinction or branding or elevator pitch, whatever that is, right? Now, your keynote should have a funda and your keynote should meet the funda. Okay, the second one is, of course, to get on stage, to get at least somewhere to speak. There are a lot of, a lot of events happening around the world and it's not that difficult to get a slot to speak. If you ask enough people. Now, the third element is very important. You need to use that keynote to build your credibility and authority. That means you got the stage time, you got the opportunity to speak. 
Now, this is your opportunity to show that you are an authority on that topic and you build your credibility. Now, the next element is you need to engage your audience. Now, a lot of people confuse this part, engage your audience. What does that mean? I would invite you to rethink engagement. Engagement is not just humor or um, asking questions. Of course, these are all important elements of, uh, of even storytelling. But the key thing in engagement is make your audience think about their lives. When If you can get them to think about their lives, you win. Because they are with you, they're going to listen to you more. And this is, I would call, a keynote revenue model. So you keep doing this. You And more you speak, the better you get, more you research, you more you know. And uh, if you're willing to take feedback from the audience, which I do, at least for my critical speeches that's why you keep improving and in fact i have a very i spent like three hours researching on a feedback form that works i call it the arrow form a r r o w audience reactions response objectives and wishes so i ask them the questions like and it can be downloaded for free from my website but the question i ask is what do you like about my speech what can I improve what do you think was the message of my speech how can i improve since i'm not a native speaker i ask is there any word i said you don't understand I say i did i make any pronunciation errors how do you think i can enhance this you'll be amazed by the number of feedback you can get to the audience who essentially the audience is starting to write your speech now because the next time you got more information so a lot of people are waiting to uh, waiting to get listed on a speaker's bureau or uh, uh, someone to help them find a speaking slot and the more time you spend on that keynote and work on it your time will come i dig this so i've got a new word for you here we're, we're full of them today but what do you think about this concept of engagement to the audience like you said for some reason in my brain i thought them engagement because you said you really have to engage them. So it's like them engagement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got your acronyms. I've got my words. Together, we can be very dangerous. <laughs> just just wait till we come up with an acronym that's made up of new words. Yeah. Then it gets crazy. That's right. <laughs> and that, that's a strategy people use as well. Right? They come up with their own words to uh, get them associated with those words. You know, Marshall Turber? Have you heard about him? He's actually a coach for a lot of these famous speakers like Tony Robbins and uh, others. So one of the things that I've seen him doing, I met him uh, in Singapore uh, the other day. So what he does, he comes with the uh, words, uh, makes up words, and you know, that gets associated with his brand. Oh, well, I obviously, I like this guy already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the key is the keynote to getting up on stage. And it's a matter of um, a keynote that you take the key and you bring it back to the key manufacturing, you know, when they make a key mm -hmm. and the machine is the people in the audience that are actually giving you feedback on it. I think that's an important feedback loop because you're talking about, you have to focus on that one keynote, but it lives, it breathes, it changes over time. Yeah. And I should, I should add the keynote is what opens the doors of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the, this is the, this is ex extremely important. And now what I've realized is as more and more you speak, you get associated also with the keynote. People start booking you for the same keynote because they just want you to recreate the same experience. So how do you how do you let people know that you have the keynote, right? Because you, you develop it, you spend the time, you invest in it. Do you have to get up on stage to have it? Like there's this, I want to give a keynote, but I haven't given a keynote, but I've developed a keynote and I want to give a keynote. So okay. you're walking around okay. with a bunch of keys. Uh, great. L let me give you a true story. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I delivered a seven-minute speech called the mousetrap 
and uh, I thought it was going to be a great speech, and it was a great speech. It was it was speaking about events in the Middle East, the Arab Arab, Arab Spring, and I was telling how this is going to impact the wider world, how this is going to spill over to other nations, and we can't just in, in think about this going to stay in within the Middle East. And I thought it was a brilliant speech, and I put it on YouTube. And one year later, I look at it, it's only 200 views, and most of them by me checking the... <laughs> <laughs> so right. I, I was expecting this going to go viral, right? I thought a million people will watch this. Right. And, uh, and so what I did is I took down the speech and uh, what I did, I converted it to a 40-minute keynote. I delivered it once, I delivered it twice, and the third time I delivered it, someone came to me to ask, Manoj, where can I buy the book? I said, there's no book. He said, what do you mean there's no book? This is such a brilliant topic. I said, is it? Okay, so I went on to write a book. Uh, called um, the, so eventually now the now now the book is called <laughs> the mastering leadership the mousetrap way that became my signature keynote and uh, it has opened so much doors for me it was endorsed by the number one leadership thinker in the world Marshall Goldsmith and several other CEOs and executives it opens more doors now if if I were to hold back right if, so the point is you your keynote need to find the audience where it works. So the first seven minutes, I was I was online, but it, I was not addressed to the audience. Now, you, your starting point, as I said before, if you can curate content and start to be known for your topic, for your curation, and once you have one keynote ready, let's say you get on a stage and speak, put it on YouTube or take the best part of it and start sharing it on LinkedIn or Facebook or social media, and more you build your presence around it, and you need to believe that this is going to come. You need to keep adding value. And of course, you need to really get good at your craft. So as again, going back, the keynote should be really, really good, right? And um, if, you, if you have a really bad keynote, no amount of marketing is going to get you opportunity to speak. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you have too many, you're going to be like the janitor yeah. full of keys, yeah. <laughs> but you know, thinking you can try to open up the doors. So what is your keynote now? What is, what is the fund of your message now? So uh, my message on the mousetrap, I, I speak on a number of topics. One of the key ones I get called multiple times uh, is on the mousetrap way. And of course, I speak on diversity. So let's look at, uh, look at one on diversity, uh, which is called um, what is your DQ? Again, a term I coined is called diversity quotient. It's about uh, funda is you need to believe and understand that the world is getting more and more diverse. People are converging into cities with multiple backgrounds and um, you're not going to just tolerate diversity or encourage diversity. You need to learn to encourage diversity and the benefits of that. And uh, the unveiled part is how diversity is improving your creativity. I show proof of how being diverse, exposed to diverse ideas makes you more creative. And uh, of course, the do part is to embrace diversity and how what you achieve is being more creative and getting more people to flock to you. And what's cool about the fund is you can actually sit there and explain the elements of your keynote or of your speech to people in a way that sort of covers all of those bases. Uh, just to actually, I'm almost thinking at a certain point, like you fund people or, hey, have you been funded? Or <laughs> is this speech, have you funded? Yeah, I, I wonder if you can make an acronym past tense. So have you I, I, I keep asking people. So when uh, do people do come to me from, I run a program called the keynoteacademy.com, the keynoteacademy.com. So people do come to me for coaching with their keynote. And one of the things I ask the first is, what is your funder? And that's probably the first time most of them have heard, oh, I need to have a funder. 
they are just so most people are just sharing story story without any thread common thread that connects and uh, holds everything together so that's when they start op- uh, awakening to the concept of oh, i need to have a funder so i found it very uh, center piece of your speech or keynote i like it and and here maybe we'll kind of close with this i would maybe challenge you to look at the funda and break it into two parts maybe to mess with people a little bit more to reinforce because at the end of the day one of the reasons i love speaking especially when i'm able to speak all across the world is that it is fun <laughs> duh right like i mean you know there's maybe something there like look at the end of the day you've got all these different elements we can talk about the funda but at the end of the day it's got to be fun it does be fun (laughs) 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 and actually actually might even be interesting if you look at it the the first the feel uh unveil and to notice right that's kind of the the core like maybe that's where you have your fun Mm. and then the other is like what everybody else forgets, like the, mm. the duh, what you've got to do, mm. <laughs> you've got to do it and then you got to achieve it. Well, Absolutely. well, I appreciate you letting me play with your acronyms and, and the words here to kind of create some stuff, but oh, you're smart than that, right? <laughs> I've enjoyed this. I'm forever affected by the funda. I think mm. that like now I have funda in my blunda. <laughs> so this is cool. Uh, if somebody were to reach out to you, I mean, you mentioned a couple different areas, but what is the best place for somebody to reach out and say hi and, and get funded? You can anytime contact me on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn, I am, uh, Google my name, uh, you can find me. Cool. And what's your favorite social platform? Is that it? Just, are you a, a LinkedIn guy? Uh, I, I'm getting more uh, more into LinkedIn, but I also on Facebook. And if you Google my name, you can find everything about me. Perfect. But my website, website would be, uh, I think the ideal website for Keynote would be www.thekeynoteacademy.com. That's what I coach people on keynotes. And that's where everyone, you were going to have lots of fun. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, this was was a lot of fun. Uh, I look forward to seeing you around the world sometime. Who knows? Maybe we'll share the stage, but I'll keep implementing these little nuggets that I've learned. And I definitely think that my keynote needs a little bit more sharpening. And uh, it's a good reminder because the key, Note is the key. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun talking to you, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to being in touch. All right. Well, everyone else out there, if you enjoyed this, then definitely give it a review. Definitely check out what he's got going on. And we have plenty more podcasts for you to check out from speakers all around the world. My name is Ryan, and I feel honored to have shared this space with a world champion of public speaking. Everyone, bring your hands together. If you're in your car, just maybe one, one, one clap. We don't want you to be dangerous, but hey, that is that is no simple feat. So mad props for that. And uh, I am sure you're going to take that influence and inspire people. Show them the funda for diversity. Show them the funda for inclusion. And show them the funda to build and break out of their own mousetraps. Sounds good, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Ryan. Nice talking to you. All right. More bend, less bow. Or wait, more, less bend. Pull less bend more. Pull less bend more. <laughs> Pull less, less bend more. Pull less bend more. All right, everybody. Yeah. We are out of here and we'll see you on the next World Speakers podcast. Bye now. Bye.